Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. It's time to tip our helmets off to some early football history. And Timothy P. Brown of Football Archaeology joins us today to talk about the history of one of the early helmets. It's the winged helmet and a tribute to this design in our modern era headgear. And Tim Brown is here in a moment with all the details. This is the Pigskin Daily History Dispatch, a podcast that covers the anniversaries of American football events throughout history on a day-to-day basis. Your host, Darren Hayes, is podcasting from America's North Shore to bring you the memories of the gridiron one day at a time. So as we come out of the tunnel of the Sports History Network, let's take the field and go no huddle through the portal of positive gridiron history with pigskindispatch.com. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello, my football friends, Darren Hayes, PigskinDispatch.com. Welcome once again to the Pigpen, and we have another great episode where we're going to talk to our resident expert that we, well, not our resident, but that we go to the footballarchaeology.com residents and talk to their great founder and historian, Timothy P. Brown. Tim, welcome back to the Pigpen. Darren, thank you. I have uh, a leather helmet sitting here in front of me. Uh... I no longer, it no longer fits. Yeah, I, I can see close. your name etched in the back of it there for, from your from um, your playing days, I assume? No, this was from my uncle's playing days. Really? Okay. Uh, so but, that is a, a, a genuine game playing helmet then? Not a, yeah, game used Spalding helmet. And uh, I actually did wear this in my backyard football day, days in my youth. When all the when the other neighborhood kids had like uh, you know those plastic cheap plastic little things, I didn't have one of those, so I pulled this baby out and <laughs> protected my noggin. <laughs> well, hey, it uh, it's in your logo too, so that's that's always a good yeah. thing too, or something similar to it. So <laughs> that's great. So, folks, if you didn't uh, realize it yet. Our topic today is going to be a tidbit that Tim wrote uh, just a little while ago called When Leather Helmets Earn Their Wings. So we're going to get uh, some history on these leather helmets that Tim just showed us. So, Tim, I'll let you take it away. Yeah. So, you know, I think it's uh, so, you know, fashion and styles is, you know, everybody's got their own taste. Right. Mm -hmm. And I have made public my um my belief that the 1930s produced the ugliest football uniforms i've written a post or two on that and provide photographic evidence uh which no one has been able to refute so far uh i mean it just they, they just had stripes going there were so many stripes uh on some of those uniforms that it was just ungodly ugly but the 1930s also produced winged helmets which um now people associate uh typically with michigan delaware uh princeton and then there's probably you know 300 high schools spread across the country 
that wear those ugly things. But so not to offend you if you're a fan of one of those teams, but they're they're still ugly. So but the the point the real point is not, you know, I mean I'm an equal opportunity ugliness kind of historian. So I am willing to discuss the origins of wings winged helmets. And I think really the funniest thing about them is that they the first team to wear winged helmets was not Michigan, but Ohio State, which is just kind oh, of that, a fun little yeah, that's fun really little, ironic. Yes. So so what happened, you know, um, in 1930, there were some new rules put in place that required um, that required helmets to have different colors, or at least contrasting colors. Now, that could be done either by painting them or by, um, you know, I think most people are familiar with the straps that ran across the tops, and there were different patterns, including, you know, what we now think of as kind of the Michigan helmet. There were straps running along the, the, the crown of the helmet. And so those could be painted or oftentimes when they produce the helmets, it would be the leather would be in different colors. So the straps might be a dark brown or a light brown and the rest of it, you know, you know, a different variation. Um, but they did that because in the late 20s, there were people who were, you know, a lot of teams were wearing those uh, friction strip and or friction oval uh on their shirts, on the front of their jerseys, and on their uh, on the inside of their arms and things, and they'd they'd wear them in the same color as some of them would wear them in the same color as the football. So then, people were confusing the the leather on the arm with the leather on the football, and there were even running backs who would like toss their helmet off so that you know so the defenders would see the helmet bouncing along the ground and think that's a ball. So they they kind of put it put a stop to that and they said okay your helmets have to have contrasting colors. Uh, at the same time, so there was that was kind of a stylistic, but it also had a functional use. And then at the same time, the manufacturers were all trying to you know create better, more protective helmets. And one of the things that that they all kind of did at the same time was to add pads on the front of the helmet or on the on the front of the helmet about where you know the forehead is, and so. Rather than just put a pad on there, which is what they had done previously, they started stylizing those pads. And so, um, you know, one version was the wing that we think of now where it kind of, you know, there's uh, it kind of moves around a little bit. And then there's this, uh, you know, kind of these tips on, on either side. But there were, you know, that wasn't the only version. There, there were 20, 30 different versions of these things. Some of them were... I don't even know how to describe it because I, I did some looking before we talked about the, the shape, but it's um, it's like a cross between an upside down T and a shamrock with three <laughs> three uh, <laughs> with three leaves. You know that there's kind of had this bulby bulbous thing or bulbous thing like where the wing would be, and then it, it would extend all the way up to the to the top of the crown. So, anyway, so there were just a, a lot of different variations on these things, and so. The wings were functional because they, you know, they provide additional pads. But for the manufacturers, they were making them try to, they were trying to make them look cool, right? So that people would buy them. I mean, if it was between the DMN, DNM helmet and the Reach helmet, and they were the same price and presumably the same quality, well, which whichever one looked cooler would be the one that you'd order, right? So um, 
anyways, I mean, that's kind of the, that's kind of the whole deal of it. And the, the actual um, tidbit shows a lot of pictures from, um, from sporting goods catalogs at the time. But what's happened is that despite there being many variations back then, I mean, every, every team that I see pretty much has the same today, you know, that, the same teams or all the teams today that use that winged look seem to pretty much have the same look, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. they don't, you know, they don't, they don't use the other versions that were available. So if you're a high school coach or somebody out there that has influence on helmet designs, you can go your own way and mm-hmm. adopt one of the, one of the looks from the thirties. that is something other than the Michigan helmet. Well, I'm going to have to uh, make a, a true confession here that I didn't figure out that Michigan's helmet, because that's the one that's the most popular of these winged helmets. I didn't realize, you know, it was a winged helmet. I thought that was representing their mascot of the Wolverine. And I was trying to envision a Wolverine. I'm thinking, boy, Wolverines have stripes going down their back and down their sides like that. And, you know, like the wings were sort of the ears of, of it. That's what I I thought, you know, it was until I got into college and found out otherwise, but uh, I never realized it was, they were sort of modeling it after the leather helmets that came before them on the the plastic and whatever they make them out of now. But uh, so very interesting. So I'm glad glad you felt comfortable sharing that with us. Yeah, I I am. So there's probably people I'll, I'll I'll get the mail coming in now. You idiot. (laughs) Uh, I mean, there's, there's all kinds of things like that where, you know, you, I didn't realize that this is where that came from. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I never really put a lot of thought into it, but I just assumed sure. it was a Wolverine. So, so. Yeah. But the, yeah, yeah, I mean, so I, um, actually in my, my book, How Football Became Football, I've got a picture of, I can't remember his name right now, but an offensive tackle for Ohio State and, you know, wearing the, the helmet from 1930. So uh, <laughs> proof positive that, uh, you know, that, Michigan didn't invent the things, but you know, they're obviously the ones that it's all associated with now. And it takes a Wisconsin fan to, to point that out about the yeah. Michigan well, State. Fan. Actually, there's a, there's a Michigan State fan who has documented a fair amount of, of this stuff out there on the internet. So if, if, you, <laughs> if you want some others to, uh, to jump in on that. Oh, his, these like, big, his, big 10 rivalries uh, yeah. <laughs> going back in history and picking on their headgear. <laughs> oh, all good stuff. Well, Tim, that, that was really enlightening. And I, I appreciate you, you coming on and sharing this tonight. Now you have these tidbits that come out each and every day, uh, seven days a week, 365. You're a busy guy and uh, you, you like to share them and you like people to enjoy them and comment and uh, share them with other people. Why don't you uh, tell folks how they can get a hold of your tidbits on a daily basis? Sure. So easiest way is to go to footballarchaeology.com. Um, when you hit the site, if you haven't been there before, it's going to ask you to to enroll or subscribe. And all you got to do is just enter your email. Uh, it's free. You'll get uh, you'll get an email every night with whatever the story is for that day. And uh, you can also follow me on Twitter. You know, obviously, I'm going to throw out some other things on Twitter besides you know more commenting on somebody else's things. But I do share all my my tidbits there. But subscribing just ensures you get it. And then you could, you know, it's in your inbox 
you can ignore it for two weeks and then read whatever you want to read. Um, so, you know, that's, that's kind of the value of subscribing to you. Um, but it, you know, it's supposed to be fun and, uh, hopefully that's, uh, that's the way it comes across. All right. Well, folks, I highly recommend you uh, take Tim up on that offer to get the tidbits and whatever your preference is to get it and uh, visit footballarchaeology.com and see the wisdom and knowledge of Timothy P. Brown in action. Tim, thanks a lot. And we will talk to you again next week. Thank you, sir. Look forward to it. That's all the football history we have today, folks. Join us back tomorrow for more of your football history. We invite you to check out our website, pigskindispatch.com, not only to see the daily football history, but to experience positive football with our many articles on the good people of the game, as well as our own football comic strip, Cleet Marks Comics. Pigskindispatch.com is also on social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and don't forget the Pigskin Dispatch YouTube channel to get all of your positive football news and history. Special thanks to the talents of Mike and Gene Monroe, as well as Jason Neff for letting us use their music during our podcast. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hey there, football fans. This is Ross, the host of the Pigskin Tales podcast. I just need a few moments of your time to talk about the host of the Pigskin Dispatch podcast, Darren Hayes. He's expanded the pig pen to search out information on the history of all team sports. It's a quest to find out about the competitors, teams, and places chronicled throughout athletic history through the uniforms and gear the participants used and wore. And he is taking you, the listener, with him on this educational journey to preserve sports history on the Sports Jersey Dispatch, found here on the Sports History Network. His newest podcast, called Jersey Dispatch, is all based on the jerseys that all the greats used to wear. You can find Darren Hayes and the Pigskin Dispatch podcast, as well as Jersey Dispatch, on your favorite podcast provider multiple times each week. So remember that, Darren Hayes, the host of the Pigskin Dispatch and Jersey Dispatch podcasts. It's found right here on the Sports History Network.